thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Hello, everybody. You are in for a treat this week with this episode, and I have to say it is one that absolutely talks to me and my needs, and I hope it's helpful for you too. My guest is Bojana Snyders Nikodijevic, and I am pretty excited that I pronounced that correctly. And uh, yeah, I'm, I think I did. Uh, Bojana is uh, Serbian, and she lives in Amsterdam here in the Netherlands. She is a wife and a mom of two boys. She has a degree in mechanical engineering and an MBA from INSAD. During her corporate career, she held positions as a strategy consultant, an investment banking associate, and a strategy and finance manager at eBay. She is a self-taught chef and following her passion for cooking, she reached the finals week of the Dutch version of the popular TV cooking show MasterChef and she has since run her own culinary business, Biana Flavors, which is bianaflavors.com and is currently writing a cookbook. Her favorite cookies are still macaroons and you'll have to listen to the episode to hear all about her story and her journey from corporate career to to amazing uh, book uh, creator and um, well all of that in between it was a really fun episode and uh, I think one that will speak to all of you mums we're all pretty busy whether we are stay-at-home mums or mums with careers or doing both and uh, yeah enjoy the episode and I invite you to share it with those you love enjoy Hey, Brianna, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm really excited for you to share your story with the listeners. Please tell them all a little bit about yourself. Hey, Karen, uh, you're really good to speak to you, and uh, I'm honored for um, being your guest tonight, or today. <laughs> yeah, so um, to tell something more about myself. So I'm a mom of two boys. My uh, boys are now six and eight. Uh, I'm originally from Serbia. I've been living in the Netherlands for 18 years now, and I'm married to a Dutchman. And yeah, um, I have a very diverse career that has been uh, hugely influenced by me becoming a mom in, uh, eight years ago. And uh, yeah, I started as a uh, strategy consultant and uh, banker. I have an MBA from the International Business School in in France. I worked for a couple of years for eBay. And then at some point, uh, I decided that uh, all of that was not really going well with me as a mom. And at the same time, I discovered cooking as my passion decided to go on a Dutch TV show, MasterChef, and uh, that was about three years ago, three and a half, and ever since then I've been working as a chef. In the last six months, focused on writing my own cookbook that is uh, kind of a summary of all my experiences in one. So it's, it's a cookbook for busy working parents. Uh, 
where I combine my experience as a working mom, knowing intimately the problems that come with those when it comes to feeding your children healthy, and applying my skills as a professional chef to increase the efficiency and simplify everything in the kitchen and just give busy working parents more confidence while cooking for their children. Wow, I'm really excited to get into this episode because there is so much there we can touch on. But before we go into the awesome work that you're doing now, let's go back a little bit into that sort of shift um, from, I guess, internally where you decided, okay, this is not this is not going to work out well for me, that sort of busy corporate life. And I guess, yeah, I, I mean, the story around you starting to cook and, I mean, of course, MasterChef is one thing, but more... More the, I guess, moving from busy, fast pace to, I guess, a slower pace. Could you go into that a little bit? Because that's a massive um, turning point in your life. Yeah, sure. So I've always been very ambitious and career-focused. And I've always enjoyed working in high-pressure environments and, you know, feeling busy, being busy, traveling, doing important things. I really love that And when I got pregnant, I didn't expect pregnancy to change that. Uh, My plan was just to continue doing what I was doing. Also because I truly believed that uh, that would set the right example for my children, showing them, you know, their mom can be their mom, but their mom can also be a person who uh, has her own passions and who, who can work, who can contribute. And, you know, I still believe that. Mm-hmm. However, I never anticipated how much becoming a mom would change me. Yeah. And make me a better person. And what that means to me is that, you know, when you have this little baby, how their needs become so much more important than any of yours. Yeah. And... It is, it is then when I realized that, you know, all my previous plans and, and ideas and how I would work five days a week and how I would just arrange everything well at home and having somebody to take care of my baby while I'm working, how that just didn't work really well for me anymore. I really wanted to be more at home. I, I wanted, when my child was sick, I wanted to be one, the one taking care of him and waking up at night. I didn't want to give that to somebody else. And, you know, at the same time, my job was very demanding. So uh, I just felt I was being pulled in two opposite directions. And I remember I was working on a project that was very, very tough very tough deadlines, we were a small team and and we had to work, you know, often until 3, 4 a.m. and that went on for two months in a row. And I was still breastfeeding. Uh, so I was fortunate in that my office was, cl- my home is close to my former office. So a couple times a day I would just go home, feed my child and, and go back to the office. Uh, and yeah, all the while, I was miserable, and I guess my child was miserable in that period, too, because he started waking up at night, and 
and you know the few hours that I had to sleep when I came back home from work I couldn't because he somehow sensed that I was at home and he just wanted to play with me at 4 a.m. and I didn't want to deny him that yeah so yeah I guess you, you can just guess how it ended uh, after those couple months, I landed in a burnout because yeah. I, I was just unable to meet everything that uh, my life was asking from me. You know, I couldn't perform well at work and I couldn't be a great mom and I definitely wasn't a good friend or a partner. Yeah, so uh, I uh, had to stop doing it all, all together. Yeah. yeah, and then you started cooking. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny story uh, when I just landed in that burnout and uh, I went for a lunch with my boss at the time uh, and I was still in denial, I was like, oh, I just need a couple of weeks, so I just need a week and then I need to sleep well, um, I'll recover, I'll be back to work. And he, I remember him looking at me and he said, I want to just go home and do something for yourself, something that you enjoy, you know, go and cook, bake a chocolate fondant. He went on talking and those chocolate fondant words were stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So I went back home and I was going to do exactly that. I googled for those words and I landed on a website that had recipe for chocolate fondant but also had recipe for macarons. Yeah. Which to me suddenly seemed much more interesting than chocolate fondant. So I changed the plan and I started making macarons. And of course, the first time I failed miserably. Yeah, it's not the I easiest thing to start with. <laughs> it's uh, it's not. A, it's probably one of the more difficult yeah. things in pastry, and pastry is one of the more difficult areas in cooking. But mm -hmm. you know, I didn't even know that at the time. I just decided I had to make them. I read all about them. I you know, and I've been trying to make them day after day, which was a sort of therapy for me, just getting away from all my other problems at a time. And who got all the samples or who got all the, <laughs> the Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's uh, – I don't even remember. <laughs> I think my neighbors must have been very happy at the time. You know, the, the thing with that – period, of burnout period, is that my memory is very hazy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I, and how yeah, was your little, how old was your little one then, or your eldest? So my eldest was 14, 15 months then, mm -hmm. and to make matters even more complicated, I felt pregnant with my second son at the same time. <laughs> so I was having a burnout, and I, I, I wow. struggled with work, and I had a small baby that I was still breastfeeding, and I was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't get tougher than that no I don't know if it does or doesn't get tougher but it was really tough for me yeah 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 I felt uh, I felt pretty miserable most of the time yeah and let's not mention you're, you're away from your family as well right I mean you're an expat so it's not like you've got a sister to help out I mean you know in-laws are one thing but yeah your mum's not here and yeah it's it's tough going um, but I'm totally into this macaroon story, so we'll get back to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, 
eventually I got those macarons right and perfect. And that process triggered my curiosity for other desserts because I realized that there's a lot of science involved in this, that process. Mm-hmm. And science is one thing that I can do that I, I really understand. So I realized, you know, cooking and, and baking, it's all actually very logical. You just have to think about what you're doing and you have to think about what's happening. So I started learning more and more. And, and from there, I went towards molecular cooking because that's also very scientific and that there are fantastic books that go into that topic. And I started buying difficult books of the world's most renowned chefs and trying to reproduce their recipes, uh, learning in the process. I, I, I read everything just to read about the science of food. And somehow through that reading and experimenting process at home, I've actually learned to cook pretty well. Amazing. Amazing. And then you put up your hand for Master Chef. Just to, you know, yeah, know so, where so, that goes along in terms of where, how old the kids were at that point. Yeah, so, so if we just rewind back a little yeah, bit with my first one. Yeah. Uh, in those endless hours of nightly feeds, I had my iPad next to me <laughs> and I would watch Australian MasterChef on here. All right, right. <laughs> Why me Aussies, there you go. Oh, Australian MasterChef was my absolutely favorite version. And my most favorite person there was Poe, which I absolutely adored. And and she has ignited my passion for Asian cooking. Yeah, yeah. And so I I had such clear memories of all that. And then uh, suddenly, um, (laughs) a few years on, uh, my children were two and four uh, and uh, yet again I was uh, I was at work and yeah I was thinking whether this is all that I wanted to do and I still wasn't feeling that great I mean I've recovered from my burnout I was working again but I had back injury dating still back from the, my deliveries because of which we we've met. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Doctor Karen treated me with a lot of care and patience, and uh, she helped me a lot uh, with my injury. So I was just sitting there one day and thinking how to get back on rails and how to get my energy back, and yeah. And then I saw this ad on television that uh, there was a new master chef in the Netherlands starting and they were open for applications and just on the spur of a moment I wasn't even thinking I sat down behind my computer I went on their website filled in the application and uh, <laughs> basically the ball started rolling from there you know I got a first invite and then I went to do the cook-off and, and then eventually I made it to the show Amazing. Uh, which was amazing experience. Mm. The best of all for me, my personal highlight, uh, I, I made it until the very end, until the final week, yeah. where I got to meet my idol, Poe. 
Amazing. <laughs> At some point, I, I we we figured out who who were the guests. We didn't know when they were going to come, but we more or less knew who was going to come, and, and we knew Paul was coming. And my only hope was, you know, I don't care if I win or not or how far I get, but please, 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 just let me meet her. <laughs> Amazing. That was such a huge motivation for me. Cool. Uh, Are you in contact still? Yes, we're still in contact. Uh, yeah, she's a lovely person. Um, you know, we're in contact through Instagram, and uh, and last year she she came back to Europe. She sent me a message, so uh, we gathered a couple uh, master chef guys, and and we cooked dinner for Bo and her husband here in my house. We had Amazing. a blast that whole evening. Yeah, it's great. Oh, so good. Okay, well now I want to hear. Um, I guess the next move into yeah the whole inspiration for the book, um, yeah, yeah inspiration for the book. So after MasterChef, I started cooking professionally. I set up my culinary company, and basically for a couple of years, I just went on indulging in my passion in cooking, learning more. Uh, I was very fortunate to meet some top chefs in the Netherlands and. They allowed me to stage in their Michelin starred restaurant, which accelerated my learning tra- trajectory immensely. And I was just enjoying myself, learning uh, on one hand from the best and then working for my clients, being very creative and you know, really loving what I was doing. Uh, I was finally working within the field of my passion. I was really happy. Uh, and also, it was really, it felt really nice to be recognized for doing a good job in something that you're really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've tried different things. I've done small and large caterings, private dinners, recipe development workshops, uh, events, a, a bunch of different culinary things that uh, cross my path. And then about six, eight, no, eight months ago, uh, you know, w- w- with Brexit that has just happened and, and the American elections upcoming and just the general mildly depressing state of the world, it, it really got me thinking about what I was doing and what was my role in the world and what was my contribution. And I felt like it... I, it didn't feel very meaningful anymore to do what I was doing because essentially at the end of the day I was cooking for a very small group of let's say privileged people who could afford services of a private chef Mm -hmm. and that didn't seem right at the moment which got me thinking about what is it that I love to do and what are other things that I can do? Where are my skills? Where is my experience? And how can I combine all those to do something that more people can benefit from? And also, who are those people? Who are the people that I can do something for? And yeah, pretty quickly it uh, became obvious to me that you know there's a big group of people that struggle to feed their children healthy 
just because the life is so busy nowadays. Mm-hmm. And even though they really want to, and it's something that's very, that's very important, it's not easy. And for a variety of reasons. And I realized that, you know, I actually have all the ingredients that are needed to, to work on that problem, to solve that problem, because I know the problem intimately. Uh, I know the main bottlenecks. I know the most difficult moments. And I also know the... I've, I've learned the skills in professional kitchens that can target those bottlenecks and that can solve them. Yeah. And I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about cooking a perfect dish, which is often what you find in recipe cookbooks. Like when you're a busy parent and you're just struggling to feed your kids anything and just basically struggling to survive, you're not concerned about putting up a perfect roast. You're just concerning about putting on table something that is edible. Uh, and what I want to do with my book is to give parents a set of to a method and a set of tools through which they can not only put things on table that are edible, but that are delicious and healthy, that uh, they can prepare in a way that removes stress from their lives and just gives them quality time back with their children. With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy, and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. And um, are we talking about like maybe like one shop up uh, Sunday preparation, cooking ahead, or are we talking about, you know, free, I mean, give, maybe we could give a little bit of insight into what you're talking about. Obviously, we want... Um, you know, we don't want to give it all away, but what's some of the big tips that um, we could give parents? Yeah, well, well basically, the method is actually really simple. It's three steps. Mm-hmm. And the first one is just to pick what you want to eat. So it's ingredient-driven cooking. It's nutrition-driven cooking yeah. uh, you know, as opposed to focusing on the recipes. But just think about what are the good things for you that you should be eating. Uh, and I help my readers there with giving them suggestions out of different food categories. Mm-hmm. But it's still up to them to decide. Because if there's one thing that I believe about healthy food, it is that it, healthy food is food with a lot of variation. So I, I'm, I'm not a proponent of superfoods or specific diets or avoiding certain things. It's about balance and it's about variation for us as omnivores, humans, omnivores. So I'm trying through that giving my reader by, by giving my readers that freedom, I'm trying to uh, empower them to introduce more variation mm-hmm. in, in their uh, uh, nutrition. And then the second step is to prepare, just simply to prepare foods in a way that still leaves a lot of flexibility as to how you finish. So I'm, I'm simplifying those preparation steps to an extreme where they're practically foolproof. Uh, and I've also made a selection of foods that you can prepare upfront and store. So not all foods are suitable for this model, but uh, 
most are, and I'm I focused on, on, on such foods. And by preparing when you have time, it could be a weekend, but as we all have different schedules, what is downtime for me on a weekend could be Monday evening for you. Mm-hmm. So so it's it doesn't have to be strict in that sense. Mm-hmm. But try to find some time when you can work uninterrupted, when you don't feel the pressure to instantly feed a hungry little person or you don't have other commitment, just dedicate time to this task and that's more or less the only time that you will need uh, for this task for the whole week. Because basically once you've chosen your ingredients, you pick them, you prep them, the last third step of the method is just to plate up, which in this case takes no more than five or ten minutes on a work day. So you take everything that you've prepared, you reheat it according to the instruction, you bring it to the appropriate temperature, and you put it together according to the assembly guide that I've also provided. And that's it. Sounds like even I could do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain you can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyone uh, can. It, it's really, it's really that simple. Yeah. One of the, the inspiration is actually coming from one of my uh, former jobs as strategy consulting, where <laughs> all you all you do actually is you take a very complex problem, you break it into simpler chunks that are easier to grasp and then handle and and solve. So if you think of a recipe as a complex something and you take out its chunks, its simple bits, like a piece of vegetable or a piece of carb or or a piece of... And if you prepare those super simply, you don't have to worry about timing. You don't have to worry about adding spices. You don't have to worry about putting... Just prepare those bits very simply and worry about it combining later. That's really simplifies your entire preparation workflow immensely. Yeah. And that removes stress. Yeah, totally. Because it should be fun, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it should be fun food. Also for the kids, I think, and maybe even getting them involved. Well, um, depends. On the Cooking trial. is work. Yeah. Cooking is work. And for some people, it will never be fun. It will never be more than necessary evil. And that's fine. Yeah. For me, cooking is more than fun. It's my, one of my deepest passions. Mm-hmm. It's also, it, it's the other extreme. Everything in that spectrum is fine. You know, but I, the best, and that, that's my main motivation for doing this, is if you can make it an enjoyable process for you and your family. Because basically what you do, children are very impressionable when they're young. And if you cook for them, if you provide them the right kind of nutrition from the early days, you shape their taste in such a way that when they're adults, they intrinsically choose such foods because they love them. So in a way, you give them this gift of preferring healthy and natural and nutritious foods above all others. You know, for us or for people who have not been raised in such a way, when you're an adult, you maybe choose a healthy diet because you're a rational human being. 
while you'd rather be eating donuts and you keep in the, living in this limbo where somebody who has been raised on a very good and healthy diet, they do not even have this struggle. And how much easier life is for our children if they do not have to struggle between healthy foods and the temptations of, you know, everything that's around us. Yeah. In the- yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I love these days. I mean, obviously I see a massive comparison between Australia and here, but I love that things that were maybe really inaccessible when we were little are quite accessible. For example, you know, I'm sure your children eat sushi and, and so do mine. There's no way we would have been eating that back in our day as kids, you know. And, uh, yeah, just I think accessibility to produce is, is easier these days as well all around the world. So that's, that's where we're really lucky. It is. It is. I fully agree with you. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear a affirmational quote and how it relates, um, well, whether to you as a mum or whether to this topic altogether. Oh, you, you have to help me out a bit with that. <laughs> sure, sure. It, it can be uh, anything that I guess is a, an internal affirmation or a mantra, that even something that maybe gets you out of bed. Um that you say to yourself just to get through the day or, or even just uh, your inspiration and why you do what you do? <sighs> My life gets me out of a bit. I think I'm extremely fortunate. I'm extremely lucky to have the life that I have, to have two healthy children, yeah. loving husband, and to be able to do the work that I do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think I actually need something to get me out of the bed. <laughs> Not at this stage. Maybe 10 years ago I did mm-hmm. a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, no, I find it pretty easy to get up. Actually, nowadays, uh, just this May, um, with all the holidays and, and days of school that children had, I actually get a bit upset that we get a lot of this, that we get so many free days that then I cannot spend working on my project. <laughs> so it, like I truly love what I do, yeah. and I love spending time with my children. So obviously, when they are free and on public holidays, I prioritize uh, my time to spend my time with them. But I would at the same time also love to be working. I, I don't need an extra push to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you there. I hear you there. Well, it would be great if you could um, share with the listeners something that you, if you could go back in time to your former pregnant self, that you would tell yourself, um, you know, if you could whisper something in your own ear that would help you in your motherhood uh, journey you know, I guess wisdom of motherhood that's brought you um, to where you are today, but something that you could tell yourself so that the mums out there listening can learn a little bit from your experience, what would it be? Gosh, if I could go back, I would just tell myself to relax mm-hmm. and to enjoy it more. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I used to tell that to myself when my second baby was born and I had the toddler of the two years old. Yeah. On the days that he was in daycare, he, he used to go to day, daycare two days a week in that period. On those days, 
I felt like I had nothing to do with just one little baby at home. You know, baby's eating and sleeping and you know, we play a bit, but I felt like I had seas of time and I honestly did not understand what I was doing the whole time with my first one. <laughs> because at that time, I felt so busy. Yeah. And obviously having two and having an active toddler around you with a baby, you do get busy. Uh, I suppose if I were to have a third child, I would probably think, my goodness, what did I do with only two? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why did that feel so? So human beings are incredible. We just adapt to the situation and we deal with it. But uh, while we're in it, we sometimes forget to enjoy and I, I'm trying to do more of that nowadays. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they say the jump is obviously biggest from zero to one. That's the shell shock. Life changes. And then, yeah, one, one to two is also, you know, quite a big jump. But after that, it's meant to be much easier walk in the park because uh, you're already used to scheduling and prioritizing the children and putting them before you and you know about motherhood being selfless and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, I mean, there's plenty of people out there having three and four children, so it must be possible, right? They go back for a fourth, so. <laughs> bless them. <laughs> yeah, bless them. Um, and what about the best advice that you ever received, maybe from your mom or someone else that you respect as, um, as a mum? About motherhood, obviously. Yeah. Or birth or, or pregnancy. Yeah, I'm going to go for birth. Yeah. Actually, I, I also want to share my birth story. Yeah, yeah, we love I, hearing I, birth stories. I don't, I don't think we hear enough of good stories yeah. about births. So the best advice I had was from my grandmother mm-hmm. at the time when I was still a teenager. And, but she told me, you look like me, you have your father's genes and my genes, and if my births are going to be any indication you'll deliver swift and fast and everything will be fine. Just watch that you're in hospital on time. <laughs> and, you know, those words kind of stuck in my head, but uh, in the back of my head, I wasn't really interested in giving birth uh, at the age of 16. Yeah. Uh, and then with my first child, I think I took about seven hours altogether. Uh, of which I spent four in the hospital and just, I had uh, um, an epidural. It was painful, but, you know, in the end, it all went well and, and, and fine. And I was able to go home after four hours. And, you know, I, I didn't feel like I'd given birth, honestly. With my second child, I really wanted to get epidural too. And I really wanted to be in a hospital quickly. So... As soon as I felt the first signs of labor, we called our midwives. We said, oh, you know, you're not going to be there for hours, but, you know, go ahead. Go to the hospital if you're really that keen. So we got there. They had to do some checks on the baby first before they could give me epidural. They did that in 10, 15 minutes, and then they checked the dilatation. And I said, we can't give you epidural. You're fully dilated. You have to start pushing. <laughs> and I think that was altogether, well, less than two hours of contractions that were pretty mild and, you know, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, 
I don't believe you. No, it can't be. It's too fast. And they're like, no, no, we, we see the head. Come, push. I don't believe you. <laughs> and then my husband is, honey, honey, I see the head too. Wow. And it's only then where I thought, oh, well, maybe it's possible. And, you know, I think 15, 20 minutes later, the baby was there. It was painful, but okay. It was, I think with giving birth, it's not the sheer intensity of the pain, but the pain times duration. Yeah. You think you have to go for 24 hours or longer through that pain. That's a bit much. But what I've experienced was just like one swift the baby was out, and I remember it was so funny. One of the final pushes, and there were a couple of students there, so a couple of interns. And I looked at one of them, a guy, and I told to my husband, Honey, I think this, this boy feels worse than I do. <laughs> he, he's getting sick from, from what he was witnessing. <laughs> Turn wide as it goes. So I, I could crack jokes while I was delivering. Yeah, the baby amazing. got out. I had no scratch at the time. Well, I, I felt completely fine, and it was all so smooth and fast and swift. And, you know, just as my grandmother predicted. Yeah, I love that. My mantra for myself in my birth was like, if my grandmother can do it, if my mom can do it, if my sister can do it, I can do it too. And, you know, I mean, I think if there's anyone that's going to be a good indication of how you birth, it's going to be, you know, your family. So, um, yeah, thanks for sharing. I love hearing that story. It's awesome. <laughs> um, I uh, would think it would be awesome if you could share um, some great resources that have helped you either, um, well, I guess in your professional journey or in your motherhood journey with the listeners so um, we don't have to reinvent the wheel and they can learn a little bit from you. Yeah, so one of the most helpful resources for me in my motherhood journey is that there's this fantastic Facebook group in Amsterdam called Amsterdam Mamas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm yes. sure you're familiar with it. Kind of in the first 100, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, very special, amazing online community. It's basically whatever, almost whatever you need to know, you want to know, experience to share, you go there and ask. And I think it just shows the value of community yeah. and, and the value of us mothers, of us parents, I should say, because it's, it's, it's broader than mothers. Uh, fathers have a, a fair role in that too. It just shows the value of us parents sticking together, supporting each other and in a positive way. Yeah. Uh, helping each other sail to this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we should say they've got an amazing website these days as well with uh, great articles and, and, and resources as well of where to and go to. It's not just a Facebook group anymore. They really tune into the, their order, to their uh, members' needs and they uh, have so many useful resources. There's hardly any area of parenthood I can think of that they haven't had covered with their articles and their, their tips. Yeah, yeah, and they run amazing events as well, which has been really good as well. Is there anything right. else you wanted to share? Um, as far as cooking goes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You oh, can't goodness. leave us hanging. Yeah, so you know, I, I'm just I'm not going to speculate about uh, culinary level of our listeners, no. 
But resources that I find incredibly useful, one website called Serious Eats. Mm -hmm. It's science-based cooking but applied to daily comfort food recipes. Most of them are fairly simple. Some are a bit more engaged. And most of them have explanations as to why you do things that you're doing here. So, so it makes you understand the process. And once you understand it, you become, you, you can basically you can control it and then you can become better at it. So that's probably my favorite cooking mm-hmm. website. And then there are too many books to name and most would probably be too specific or too nerdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the books that I've picked up just recently that I really love the way it's written and how it simply explains cooking. It's called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by <laughs> Samin Nosrat. And basically she says you only have four elements needed for great cooking. You need to salt your food properly, to season it properly. Salt, uh, fat uh, acts as a carrier of flavor, so you need it as a flavor uh, vehicle. You need acid to balance all that. And then you need heat to cook it. You need to understand what kind of heat are there and how do they affect your ingredients. And that's all. When you understand those four elements, you can cook anything well. She goes in depth explaining all of them and their relationships. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's a very approachable book about the fundamentals of cooking, make, making you understand the fundamentals as opposed to just to tell you, do this and don't ask why. Yeah. Oh, it sounds amazing. And she's also got recipes in there as well. She has recipes in there in the end. I haven't cooked any. I I don't think that's the value of the book. I understand. I, yeah. Uh, but, and they, they do look good, though. They, they, they look <laughs> But to be very honest with you, I hardly have time for cooking nowadays. I'm just barely... Uh, uh, surviving, uh, feeding my family. That writing this book is occupying more time that I that I have. Uh, so I have no time for uh, culinary experiments and cooking outside of just basic feeding the family. Yeah, sounds like you're putting your principles of your book to the test again. Oh yes, um, <laughs> to live. I'm it. I'm so happy. I have this method that it literally. Saves my uh, uh, bum. Many yeah, times. Ass. <laughs> it's okay. People have dropped the f bomb on the podcast before, so no worries there. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this has been awesome, and I, I, I seriously will be looking up those uh, that website and that book. I'm, I'm uh, and I, of course, I, you know, I, I'm on the the pre order list, and I can't wait for yours to come out. So, um, it would be great if you could share with the listeners a little bit more about when the book is coming out, of course, your website, and just pretty much how we can find out everything about it and, and anything you want to share in terms of your contact details. Yeah, so the book will be coming out in September this year, so just a couple more months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working really hard to meet those deadlines. Yeah. Um, it, it will be sold uh, initially through my website only mm-hmm. um, and my website is www.buenaflavors.com mm-hmm. we'll put that down in the resources for you yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm also uh, arranging uh, some strategic partnership with different uh, 
organizations and people who uh, share my uh, target group, who, who, wh wh where it's mutually beneficial to work together and to uh, bring my book in front of more people who could benefit for, from this kind of uh, changed approach to cooking. Yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, th those plans will come uh, a bit later when the book is here. Super exciting. And you've got your social media channels on the website. And of course, if people wanted to pre-order, they can also go to the website as well, right? Yeah. Pre-ordering helps me a lot in anticipating the demand and, and, and planning the, uh, the batch size. But I also understand if people just want to wait and see what this new book will look like when it's there. Mm -hmm. So it, it's all good. And I'm also on different social media, on Facebook and um, also on Instagram as Buyna Flavors, Pinterest as well. I uh, tend to share a lot of tips. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm uh, dedicating one day a week to uh, direct dialogue with uh, with my followers and future readers uh, and just answering their kitchen questions, solving their kitchen problems. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really here to help and I hope uh, this, uh, this, this will, I hope this can change things, improve things for people out there. I think it definitely can and I'm really excited about it and I am really grateful for your time. Um, yeah, I know you're busy and for the listeners to know, we are doing this after our kids are in bed on a public holiday and uh, <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's too busy mums with uh, getting kids to bed and trying to find time in our busy schedule. So I really appreciate that we were able to schedule it in and I can't relate. I can't wait to share your message. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much for having me and for giving me this opportunity to share my work with your listeners. Super welcome. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.